Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Wingman Podcast. It's actually been a little bit since I've sat down and done some recording. It's been an incredibly busy fall, so I wanted to sit down and give you some updates and catch you up on a little bit about where I've been, what we've been doing, some things that have been in the works, and give you a Hondo update, and also talk about some of the phenomenal gear that I've got to use this fall, um, thanks to our partners and sponsors on this podcast. We couldn't do what we do without them, and so when I give them a mention, run out, check out some of their stuff, give a look at um, the stuff that I mentioned on here, because I honestly feel that the products that we get to use are some of the best on the market and they will make your hunting more enjoyable and they'll make you more effective. So there's a shameless plug to pay a little, pay a few bills and I'm going to be paying some bills as we go along the way. So without further ado, let's just dive in and talk about where I've been and what's been going on this fall and where we're headed and uh, talk about some stuff along the way. So obviously, you know from the last podcast that we bet that we were in Canada in September. That was an incredible hunt. We got to go up there and hunt, obviously, geese for wingmen and for beyond the grid, we hunted bears in the afternoons. When I first got pitched the idea, if you will, of this hunt, I thought to myself, I thought, wow, that's, that's a really different combo, you know, waterfowl in the waterfowl and bears. And honestly, it turned out like peanut butter and jelly. It was the best experience on a hunt that I think I maybe have ever had. It was incredible. The border crossing into Canada was cake. It was easy. We were a little worried about that because of the situations the last couple of years, but it was super easy. They they wanted us there. They wanted our business and it was really pleasant. Beautiful country, beautiful place, awesome people. I can't say enough about Wingmaster Outfitting, about Kurt and Rod Friesen, our waterfowl guides, about Kyler Knelson and Storm and Norman and Bob, our bear guides. Kyler and Norman run an incredible operation up there. And if you guys are in the market for this a waterfowl slash bear hunt or a spring bear hunt or a wolf hunt or a muskox hunt or a moose hunt or a caribou hunt, you need to look at Kyler and Norm. These guys are first class and they offer hunts that you can't really get anyplace else. Their winter wolf hunts are high on my list and I will, I'd like to go back and do one of those. Um, I also love to go hunt muskox with those guys, but we went and did waterfowl along the Peace River in northern Alberta in the town of La Crete. Like I said, you saw the previous two podcasts or listened to them. <coughs> we had an incredible time up there. Tons and tons of birds, both ducks and geese. The shooting was phenomenal. And then hunting bears in the afternoon was an absolute trip. Being able to stock five to eight bears a night with archery equipment was something that I've always wanted to do and Brandon Mason and I both took incredible bears on that hunt along with a whole bunch of waterfowl. That's the recap on that one. Um, one of the things that stands out about that hunt in particular was the ammunition. As you guys know we're partnered with Federal Premium Ammunition and we are blessed in that partnership that we get to shoot the best of the best. I've been shooting their Black Cloud TSS loads on waterfowl for couple of seasons now, and they are hands down the best waterfowl load I've ever shot. Are they spendy? Yes. Are they worth the money? In my opinion, yes. I look at it like with traditional steel or other loads, I might have to shoot a bird two, three times um, on the water, a cripple to mop up. Geese and the decoys, they come down alive, and I got to shoot them again or two, three times to kill them before I send my dog out there. Um, I know some of you guys are thinking, well, why would, you, why would you not just send the dog? Which, on land, okay. 
But hunting these fast western rivers that we hunt, you, our birds have to be dead or our dogs don't catch them. It's just the way it is. We don't have the luxury of sending a dog after a crippled bird in those fast in our fast western rivers. It usually doesn't work out. So killing birds outright, cleanly, making sure that they're in ethical range or in our decoys if possible, and shooting the best quality ammunition that we can, which in our case, federal premium, hands down, every single time. Um, like I said, the TSS stuff is phenomenal. It's the best you can buy. It's spendy. If you step down that ladder and look at their bismuth loads, which I just got to put through the paces in Montana, which I'll get to in a minute, there you get into a little bit, a uh, little bit, the next price range down, the next price point, and you still have phenomenal lethality. I just had things, just got done with Thanksgiving. We're headed into Christmas, and my dad was out. Um, for Thanksgiving, my mom and my dad both came out for Thanksgiving, and I wanted to get dad and Hondo out on some duck hunts. Hondo, obviously, his first hunt. I'll get into that in a bit. But I wanted to get my dad. We weren't filming those, and so I wanted to let my dad shoot some of his old over and unders. And he brought an old over and under with him, one of these had forever. Can't shoot steel out of it. Can't shoot tungsten out of it. It's got to be bismuth or lead. And so I had some of the federal premium bismuth loads two and three quarter inch fours. Took them out. We limited our shots to just stuff in the decoys because it was Hondo's first hunt. And dad crushed a limit of greenheads with those loads. We had no cripples. All the birds were stone dead on the water. It was perfect. He made a couple longer shots later in the morning that were outstanding. And that bismuth stuff just absolutely wrecked those birds. So my point is, if I'm looking at federal premium ammunition through, my, through the lens of this fall so far, obviously I love the TSS stuff. If you can afford it, it's the best load you can buy, hands down. It is phenomenal. The bismuth is one step down in lethality and price. If you're looking for that mid-range ammunition that's going to perform across a wide spectrum of scenarios, from geese to ducks to pheasants, that's the beautiful thing about bismuth or TSS is I can walk out with one load, say a two and three quarter inch four, or even fives or threes, and shoot ducks, geese, and pheasants, all with the same shell. Federal thought that through, it's incredible. It's really nice to be able to buy one or two boxes of ammunition and hunt everything all fall with those. Kudos to you, Federal, for that. That's awesome. I really, in the past, bismuth was, um, had a tendency to be fragile. And I, on the hunt in Montana, I got to sit down with Brian Kelvington. He's basically the director of marketing and uh, sales at Federal. Brian, I'm sorry if I got that one wrong. Planning on having Brian on the podcast and we can clear all that up and get exactly what he does there. All I know is that Brian is a big man at Federal and he knows his stuff. And they are working to produce incredible ammunition. He explained their process for how they make their bismuth shot, and so it doesn't like blow up on impact. I'll get into that a little bit more when I talk about Montana, but I'm breaking down Federal's line of ammunition. Next in line for me would be the Black Cloud. Black Cloud FS Steel, that's a flight stopper steel. My go-to load for that is three inch twos. Again, I've hunted everything from geese and ducks to pheasants with Black Cloud 3-inch 2s. I've shot the BBs, I've shot the 4s, the 3s, you name it. Overall, though, that Black Cloud steel is a premium steel load, and it is wicked. You should take a, st and I'll, I'm going to highlight um, just how effective that Black Cloud is here in a second when I go back to talking about Canada. Next in line, and the most affordable option for that Federal offers is their um, Speed Shock. It's Blue Box. Everybody, the, everybody knows it as the Blue Box. And that stuff is phenomenal as well. Federal has a product to fit every price point and every performance criteria in their Shot Shell lineup. Like I said, from Blue Box up to Black Cloud, then to the Bismuth, then to the TSS, and there's stuff in between as well, guys. I'm just covering kind of what I have shot this fall and been very pleased with and impressed with. The blue box is 
it's a value product. And I look at performance versus cost, the blue box rises to the top. It's the cream of the crop when it comes to a value shot shell. Um, I've shot them all. Lots of different products, lots from lots of different companies. And if I'm looking for an affordable product that I'm gonna burn up a lot of, say snow goose hunts, it's gonna be the blue box every single time from Federal. Great stuff, great product. So, I told you I was gonna be paying some bills on this podcast, and I'm giving those guys credit where credit is due over across what I have shot. My top pick for the blue box, again, three inch twos. Does everything. If I'm just gonna shoot um, pheasants and ducks and I want one load for that, I'd probably look at the fours either in two, three quarter or uh, three inch. Either load is going to hammer ducks and pheasants, no problem. When I'm looking for a load that I can shoot everything with, it's three inch twos across the board. I can shoot geese, ducks, and pheasants with those, and I'm covered. Obviously, if you're looking for a lighter upland load, if I'm shooting steel, I'm gonna go to a six, probably a six or maybe even a seven in some of their um, steel upland products. But I don't do that a lot. When I'm hunting upland birds, even pheasants, most of the time I'm shooting lead, which the prairie storm load I've shot on, the, on our sage grouse hunt, I shot the prairie storm loads, two and three quarter inch fives. And um, on our pheasant hunt, we just got back doing in, in Montana, I shot two and three quarter inch sixes in the prairie storm and it handled everything beautifully. We shot pheasants, sharp tail, huns. I've shot chuckers with that load. And of course, sage grouse as well, which you guys have seen. If you're looking for a premium upland load, the prairie storm is phenomenal. Just a really, really top-notch load. And I wanna give you a, an example, if you will, that I ran across in Canada. Brandon Mason and I started out, <coughs> we took a little bit of ammunition with us. Obviously, for when we're filming things, we need to have um, ammo to film. We're loading guns, we're shooting it. One of the stipulations on this hunt was that ammunition was provided. We knew that we could take ammo into Canada, but we were, again, very hesitant to um, push our boundaries, if you will. I, we decided that we would each take a box or two of Federal Black Cloud, of Federal Premium Black Cloud 3-inch twos. We knew it would handle ducks, geese, and that would be it. Um, we would have it for filming, we would have it for other things, and when we ran out of it, or if we ran out of it, we could shoot the outfitter's ammunition. Well, long story short, first couple days we shot the Black Cloud and shooting was normal. We were killing birds very cleanly, very effectively, and I wanted to save some of that back, so I started pulling back on that and shooting some of the outfitter's ammunition. And I'm not going to name the type of ammo in case any of you are familiar with it or shoot it, but I was, all of a sudden my shooting deteriorated. We'll just put it that way. And normally on a hunt like that where you're shooting high volume, your shooting gets better <laughs> throughout the day, throughout the trip. Mine did not and neither did Brandon's. We were shooting the Savage Renegade shotguns, the field model, and Kind of our first go-round with those, in fact it was, I shot a turkey with one a year ago, last spring in Montana, and I hadn't shot the shotguns very much other than just practice. And we were shooting great. I was shooting this Savage Renegades like a house of fire. And all of a sudden my shooting just dropped off. I remember in particular a group of geese swung in, it was speckle bellies, and they swung into my left, the left side, Guide called the shot. I stood up, picked out a bird on the extreme left edge of the group because I knew everybody else was going to be shooting at the right side in the middle. And I shot, bang, nothing, kind of surprised, bang, nothing, bang. And I like was pretty sure I was seeing feathers puff every, with every shot. Birds fly off, we drop like one or two. And these birds are pretty close. I thought, eh, maybe I, I just missed. That was, that was weird. And as I'm watching the group, they fly off, and the bird on the far left that I'd been shooting at, they fly out about 200 yards, and just he just plummets out of the sky. I killed him, but he flew off a long ways. Next group comes in. 
I missed three times or so I think. Same thing happens. Bird flock flies off, bird falls out of it. So now we start really paying attention to what we're doing. And I look at Brandon and I said, dude, all of a sudden my shooting has gone really bad. And he said, yeah, mine too. And we were shooting the outfitter ammunition. Um, the outfitter spawn provided ammunition and it's a very inexpensive Canadian made ammunition. That's all I'm going to say about it. Over the next few days shooting that ammunition, our, our hit to kill ratio went, went way down. We were hitting birds that we weren't killing or that would sail off and die, or we were just flat out not hitting birds that we normally were hitting. So I still had some black cloud left. And at the end of the trip last day, I'm like, I'm gonna shoot this, the rest of my black cloud this morning. And lo and behold, my shooting came back. All of a sudden, every bird I shot at was dropping out of the sky. They were falling dead in the decoys. And it was proof positive the effect that quality ammunition and quality products can have on your hunting success. Nothing changed. I was shooting the same choke. I was shooting the same Savage Renegade. The only factor that changed was my ammunition. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm the world's best shotgun shooter. I'm not. But I'm not bad. And most of the time, I hit what I'm shooting at. To see such a drastic drop-off from shooting the Federal Black Cloud to shooting this other brand of ammunition, and all of a sudden we're not killing birds or birds are flying off and dying at distance, it was eye-opening. It was eye-opening how important shooting a high-quality, well-made shot shell is. And the ammunition that I listed before I got into all of that diatribe from the Federal Speed Shock Blue Box to the Black Cloud to the Prairie Storm to the Bismuth Loads and the TSS. Guys, they're worth, they're worth a little bit of extra money when you start getting up there because you're going to be killing birds cleanly. And I know some of you listening to this or watching this are going to be like, ah, whatever. But I'm here to tell you, I experienced it firsthand. I have shot thousands and thousands and thousands of shot shells and everything from skeet to upland birds to waterfowl over the years. And I notice that when I'm shooting cheap, poorly made ammunition, my kill ratio, my, my, my hit to kill ratio goes way down. When I'm shooting high quality, good ammunition, all of a sudden my shooting improves. Everything about the, the top quality ammunition, it's designed to perform. And that is, that's Federal's entire line. So, I told you I had to pay some bills on this episode. And I wanted to talk about, not just paying bills, but I wanted to talk about Federal Premium Ammunition and their, a little bit about their lineup and what I've been shooting this fall, and what I'll continue to shoot throughout the fall, or the rest of our season. And just encourage you guys, that when you're out looking for ammo, and I know, I know that in a lot of the country right now, getting ammunition in general is is still difficult and so you may be just buying whatever you can get your hands on that's fine that's fine but federal's working extremely hard to up the ante on production so that they when you go to a retailer there's federal ammunition available to you and i'm urging you i'm just telling you my my dos pesos if i have to choose between federal and another brand i'm going to buy federal every time and it's been that way for a long time for me, since I was a kid. I remember, here's a quick, quick flashback when I was a young man before I could even hunt. My dad was jump shooting um, some ponds for geese <coughs> when I was a kid. He ran out of ammo and he was, uh, he was shooting a 12 gauge and he ran out of ammo and he sent me back to the truck and it was a little bit of a hike. So I, I'm running back to the truck to get my dad more ammo and I remember opening the door, it was a, it was a K5 Blazer, 1980, or 19, 1980 model, 1981, anyway, I wish I still had that thing, but old Chevy K5 Blazer, I opened the door, and there's like four boxes of ammunition on the floorboards, every single box, one of the things that I remember is every single box was federal premium ammunition, um, 
there was 10 gauge, there was some 20 gauge, there were 12 gauge, and I was smart enough to remember that dad said, I want, I need the 12 gauge three inch twos. And uh, that was back in the days when lead was still legal. So they were probably lead loads, if I remember right, because I was just a kid. But what strikes me about that is every box of ammo my dad had was federal. I remember going to buy, working all summer and saving, scrimping and saving and running a trap line when I was a kid in the wintertime. Um, I, I used to shoot red squirrels for their tails. The MEPS Aglia company that makes the MEPS spinner, they, and I think they still do this, they would pay, at that time, I think it was 10 cents or 15 cents a tail. And I would shoot these little red squirrels that we had everywhere as a kid and save all my tails and send them in and get, you know, I might, I might send in 200 tails, so 20 bucks, you know, whatever. But 20 bucks in those days was enough to buy me a couple boxes of ammunition. We would go to the holiday stores, holiday gas station, back when they still had sporting goods everywhere, and I'd buy two boxes of ammunition every year. I always bought Federal. Part of it was holiday stocked a lot of Federal, because I think they're both Minnesota companies. Well, I know Federal Premium's out of Anoka, Minnesota, and I'm pretty sure the holiday gas stations are out of Minnesota as well. You Minnesota guys that are listening to this, let me know if I'm right or wrong on that. But I always bought Federal, and I shot it for everything from Upland to Waterfowl. I always bought Federal ammunition. And so, and I've bought it my whole life. I've always been a Federal ammunition guy. And... Uh, it just, it just bears out. I could not be happier with the partnership with them. And our trip to Canada was eye-opening. When we, when we went to shooting a lesser ammunition, what an impact it had on our harvest rates and on our shooting ability. Um, it, was, it was jaw-dropping, guys. And, and so much so that I remember when it happened, I looked at Brandon Mason and I was like, dude, I need to, I need to talk about this. I need to write a blog about this. I need to podcast about this. So people, people get it. Ammo's, not all ammo is created equal. And uh, I'm not saying you have to go out and shoot the TSS. If you want to and you can afford it, it's the best stuff on the market. But the Federal has lots of options. Do yourself a favor. Check out Federal, ammunition, Federal Premium Ammunition. There's something in there for everybody. All right. Moving on. That was important for me to talk about, though, guys, because I feel that strongly about our partnership with them. And uh, part of the point of sitting down on this podcast is to discuss the gear that I've been using so far this year and where it's, you know, what it does really, really well. And so back to another piece of equipment that I've used that's new to me this year is the Savage Renegade. Um <laughs> When I first saw the Savage Renegade like two years ago, I think it was SHOT Show 2020, uh, I picked it up and I was handling it. I'm like, man, that's, that's a beefy shotgun, man. That's, that thing's well made. And I didn't think much else about it. And now I'm shooting them and I've got to shoot them. And I have to say every, every place I've taken one, people look at it, pick it up, and they're automatically impressed. They're impressed with the way it's built. They're impressed with the way it looks, the way it points how far it flings empty shells, everything about the shotgun and is impressive. And from probably a couple hundred rounds of ammunition burned through it in Canada, and then this last trip to Montana and the few hunts I've done around here so far this year, I've had zero failures with my Savage Renegade. It goes bang and it kills stuff. And that is what I'm looking for in a shotgun. If you can get your hands on one, I know they can be hard to find. Everything's hard to find right now. If you're in the market for a new shotgun, um, check it out. I did a full review up in Canada on the shotgun, breaking down every aspect of the Savage Renegade. And I've been impressed. I've, I've been really impressed. I was, uh, was curious to see how they would work, if they'd be reliable, and I have had zero issues. And again, I've shot them all, guys. I've shot Benelli. I've shot Browning. I've shot Winchester. I've shot CZ. I've shot Remington. You name it. I've shot them all. They all work. Um, they all had little things about them that were really great. 
and things that were, eh, I wish this, wish, wish this could be improved. So far, this Savage, I have had nothing but success with it, and they have been really, really good. Uh, the one thing that I will say that I wish that Savage would do, and it, I can remedy this by getting aftermarket chokes, I wish they would put extended choke tubes on instead of the flush fit standard chokes. The extended tube just makes it easier when I'm, when I'm in a situation, like in the blind, and I'm shooting birds in the decoys, and then all of a sudden, maybe my shooting gets longer, or we switch scenarios, I need a different choke, just super easy with those extended tubes. Again, I can do that with aftermarket tubes, but you don't need the aftermarket tubes with Savage, other than the fact if you want an extended tube. And so, Savage, if you're listening, just a thought for you. I love everything about the Renegade. It's been phenomenal. It's been incredibly reliable and dependable. Um, I just would like to see extended choke tubes on them. That's it. So, check out the Savage Renegade. <coughs> just thinking about gear in general, because part of this podcast was to break down, a big part of this was to break down all the equipment that, we're, that we've been using and what works and why. The Sitka gear, um, guys, if you're a diehard bird hunter, waterfowler, you know that Sitka gear is awesome. It's really, really tough to beat. They have a product for every single waterfowl application out there. Um, And I don't, I've found nothing about them to dislike. I do hear grumble, you guys grumbling about, oh, the price, the price, the price. Right. Great, great. It's expensive. Good gear costs money. And there's a reason for that. Good gear lasts a long time. Um, I've had great success with Sitka. Some of the pieces that I've been using throughout the season so far, the new Jetstream jacket, I did a full review on that in Canada. I got to put that through its paces. I've been a fan of the Jetstream for a long, long time. For everything from casual, everyday wear, to big game, to upland, to waterfowl, you name it, I've used it. But they revamped it a little bit, and when I saw that they were messing with it, I was like, no, 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 don't do that. But the product that they came up with, as it's not a replacement, but a 2.0 version, is stellar. Um, I I didn't think that the Jetstream could get more comfortable, but it is. It's softer, the new one's softer, it's easier to, to, to move in, it's easier to swing a shotgun in. It's just as windproof, in fact, maybe more element-proof or weatherproof. It's pro- the, the Jetstream is definitely in my top five pieces of Sitka. Um, maybe my favorite because I can wear it for everything. I also really, really like um, Sitka's Puffy lineup, like the whole thing. The Puffy lineup is phenomenal. The new Aerolite products are top tier top tier if you guys are in the market for a new waterfall system look at Sitka there I know I I know that it's premium premium product and it is it's going to cost you a little bit of money you're going to have it forever you know almost everybody I know out there that is running Sitka is run their, their stuff is got seasons and seasons and seasons of use. And I remember back in the back in the day when I was, it seemed like I bought new waterfall gear about every other year. Um, if I wanted to be warm and dry, uh, I had to have, it seemed like I had to replace stuff. So keep that in mind as you're out there looking. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. Just check it all out, guys. Sitka's, Sitka's built the reputation of being the best waterfall gear that you can buy. And uh, for the most part, I would have to agree with that, especially that new Jetstream. And my favorite for this time of year, their Boreal system. Um, The new Aerolite Boreal system keeps me in the field, keeps me hunting no matter what the conditions. And we just got done hunting in Montana in absolutely brutal conditions. So there's that. Um, Talking about making food. You guys know I'm a high mountain seasonings guy. Uh, I have been for a long time. We are blessed again to be partnered with them. 
But you look at their lineup of stuff and you wonder, holy smokes, what, what do you pick? What do you choose? Well, I just did a video about a month ago on my top picks for their products, what I like the best. My family loves jerky. And I, I have a tendency to turn a lot of goose breast into jerky because my kids eat it like it's going out of style. High Mountain Seasonings Jerky Kits are um, easy to use. They have lots of different flavors, and they make great Christmas presents. If you've got a DIY guy, or person, sorry, on your list that you know likes to make sausage or make snack sticks or make jerky, they should be using the High Mountain Seasoning stuff, guys. There's no reinventing the wheel with it. You get the kits, and you use it. Another thing that High Mountain Seasonings does that I don't think a lot of people realize is the seasonings that they make. When you open my spice cabinet in my kitchen, there's obviously the, the traditional spices that everybody's got, right? And a handful of others that I like. But day in and day out, I'm using the High Mountain rubs. Uh, their garlic pepper rub, you guys have seen me use it on goose breast, crock pot recipes. Um, I used it on sharp tail the other night that I brought back from Montana. It's just incredible. It's an incredible product. I, I love it, and I've not met anybody that when I sprinkle that on some red meat, whether it's beef, venison, goose, duck, sage grouse, sharp tail, you name it, hot, quick sear, maybe sprinkle a little salt, extra salt on it, it goes lickety-split. It's gone. So check that out too, highmountainseasonings.com. Guys, that's just a rundown of a handful of the gear that I use, that I've been using all season, and why I am excited to partner with these brands, but also um, why I like using them. You know, they're pro these are all products that I've used for a really, really long time. The one that's new that I haven't used since before I started working for Eastman's and we developed Wingmen was Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, they weren't around, but I really cherish that partnership. And I, I really, I've gotten to the point where I've figured out what coffees I like of theirs and their ready to drink stuff is awesome. And I love the fact that almost everywhere I go in the country now, I can walk in a convenience store and I can grab a can of ready to drink Black Rifle Coffee. The 300 is my favorite. I really like both, both flavors. Just depends on what I'm in the mood for, whether it's the vanilla or the mocha. But they're easy. I grab a can, throw it in my blind bag, maybe grab two, three, throw them in my blind bag, and we go. Super easy, super easy. The ready-to-drink stuff is phenomenal. Uh, the coffee memberships make a great Christmas present. If you guys are still looking for last-minute Christmas ideas, a coffee membership to Black Rifle Coffee is awesome. Um, I love mine. Don't have to worry about it. I have the membership. My coffee shows up every month, and I'm never out of coffee. I don't have to run to the store. It's just delivered right to my house, and it's so convenient. I love that. So there is a shout-out again, paying some bills, but shouting out to my, to my partners and my sponsors, and giving you guys a breakdown on what we here at Wingmen use, and even the Eastman side of things, some of the stuff that we use as well. Now... <coughs> I promised you an update on Hondo. Hondo Dog is two, and I have worked my butt off with him over the last two, two years to get him ready for this fall. And I used the Cornerstone Gut Dog Academy training program. You guys saw me use that. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, once we got through the puppy stages to up to about week 15, 16, I, we, we didn't keep up on the video uh, side of things with that. And it was because I was kind of hybridizing, not just using Cornerstone, I was still using it, um, but I was bringing in some of my own previous experiences as well. And I love the Cornerstone tool. It was really, really great. It is a phenomenal product, for, especially for folks who've never trained a, a dog before, especially a bird, a gun dog especially a retriever, <laughs> um, I would highly recommend that product. I, I picked up some stuff from that that I normally wouldn't have done. And it made and it streamlined some of the early training stages, made them easier and less frustrating. <clears throat> so 
two, two years of in the making. I did not want to hunt Hondo his first year. I've done that with every lab that I've trained up to, the, up to Hondo. And they all suffered for it. Um, you guys have heard me talk to Barton Ramsey with Southern Oak Kennels about training quarry wages with SOK Tanglefoot. You've heard me talk to Marty Roberts in Retriever University and Sporting Life Kennels, along with other dog breeders on the podcast. When it comes to retrievers, to Labradors, that are going to pull most of their duty in a waterfowl hunting scenario, I think starting them too early is one of the worst things that you could do. And I did not want to, ha- want to have to fight the same behavioral battles and steadiness battles with Hondo that I fought with Mackinac, and my lab previous to that was Josie. Josie and Mackinac are phenomenal dogs. They are great, and they're awesome pets and awesome dogs. They've retrieved, found, and flushed, and retrieved a ton of birds for me. But they both suffered from not being steady in the field. If you watch some of our early wingman videos, you'll see Mackinac breaking, especially in, especially in a dry land field hunting scenario. And I, wa- I watch, when I go back and I watch those videos, I just cringe. Because I, I, work and, I worked and worked and worked with, with Mackinac, and he's a phenomenal dog, phenomenal retriever, but he's never been super steady. And the biggest reason for that is I started him before he was a year old hunting pheasants, hunting upland birds. And to expect a dog that's trained right from the get-go to find, flush, and fetch, to sit and be steady until they're released to fetch, that's a tall order. Um, Not a lot of dogs can pull that off. So I waited with Hondo. I will use Hondo for upland birds, but I wanted to have him rock steady before we started. I didn't want those bad habits. So I did not hunt him his first year. I held him back to this year. Took him out over Thanksgiving with my dad and was very, very pleased. Um, I wanted to film it and we didn't have a chance to film that very first hunt. I had it all lined up. Cameraman, camera person got sick in the middle of the night messaged me and said, I am not leaving the house. I'm, I feel terrible. And so what do you do? You go hunting, obviously. We had an awesome spot set up (coughs) and I wanted to hunt Hondo. So I had dad lined up to be the shooter. We're going to shoot five Drake Mallards. That's the goal. Maybe six ducks because we can shoot an extra duck of some sort and get a widgeon or a teal or something. But five big fat greenheads is what, what the goal was very controlled environment. I would be handling Hondo. Dad would be shooting. It was important to me to have that set up in a very controlled environment for Hondo's first hunt so that we could control as many of the variables as we possibly could. So we went down, we got everything set up. (laughs) Starting to get daylight. It's right at shooting light, but it's, it's not quite legal yet. And it's, Really dark anyway. It was overcast day. Drake Mallard floats in, lands right in the decoys. I don't know, 15 yards, 20 yards from Hondo, who's on play, who's on his place, sitting. Not really sure what's going on, but he's sitting and being patient, being very steady. That bird hit the water. Poof! He breaks right in the water. I corrected him, brought him back, put him back on place. And he didn't break. About five minutes later, it happened again. Bird comes in, sploosh. And he, you know, he's kind of, and I said, no, no. And he sat, I said, place, calm commands. And he was perfect. He was rock solid after that. First bird, now it's legal shooting light. First mallard comes in from the right, going to land right in the decoys. I said, dad, kill him. Dad stands up, bang. I look over and I say, as soon as dad shoots, I say, mark. And Hondo does not break. Rock solid. He's focused, laser focused on this, on this dead duck. Mark. Hondo. Poof, launches off the bank. 
down through the river, gets the duck, brings it to hand. We are still working on hold. Um, Hondo likes to shake the water off. Most dogs do. When they get out, first thing they want to do is shake. But he sets the bird down to do it. Not a bad thing necessarily because if, if a dog's holding a bird when he shakes, you're probably going to tear that bird up quite a bit. But I want him to deliver the bird to hand first, then shake. We'll get there. We shot, um, long story short, dad killed his five. I killed my five. Hondo broke three times. Every time he broke was when I was shooting. He never broke when I was handling him, which is good, but he broke when I would go to shoot, he would break. <clears throat> That's not entirely a surprise for me, but it's, it was a little discouraging, and it's just something I'm going to have to work through. I'm going to go back to the Cornerstone programming and take a look. I'm going to talk to guys I know about what exactly I need to do to prevent Hondo from breaking when I stand to shoot. Um, like I said, he's rock solid with other folks when I'm handling. But when I go to shoot, he breaks. So we're going to have to fix that. The good thing is he retrieved 10 big, fat greenheads that morning. He, was, he never missed a retrieve. He never missed a mark. He was just phenomenal performance the entire time. By the end, the last two birds he fetched, he brought completely the hand before he sat down. So that was a win, and that was all I was doing there was when he would reach the bank, I'd say, hold, 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 and he'd bring me the bird. I have a little doggy door in the bottom of the blind where he'd walk up, stick his head through, and I'd take the bird from it, and then he could shake. And guys, I, I have to be honest, I'm really happy that I waited two years before I hunted Hondo. Um, I didn't hunt him the first year. This is his second year. And he's hunting, and he's fetching. He's a solid retriever. Like I said, he's not perfect. We have some things to work on yet. But no, I don't think you hear the term finished dog all the time. Oh, I got a finished dog, or <clears throat> that dog's not a finished dog. What does that mean? Um, I'm not 100% sure that you ever truly finish a dog um, any more than you finish raising a kid, a child. You're always working on something. There's always something that you can improve. Now, you may, that dog may have mastered a particular skill set, and that may qualify them as being finished. Um, but most of those skills are perishable when it comes to dogs. If they don't practice them, they don't continually use them, or you're not brushing up on them, they get lax. They get rusty. And pretty soon, you got a dog that's not finished anymore. So you, you, you serious dog guys out there are probably going to argue with me or may disagree with me on this, and that's okay. This is my opinion. I don't think you ever truly finish a dog. I think you get a dog to a point where it does what you want it to do. It works really well. But if you're not continually brushing up on skills, you'll lose some of those things. I think about Mackinac. Mackinac is 10 years old. He can still get the job done. Um, but his, I've decreased his workload substantially. And he's what a lot of people would consider a finished dog. I've got him to the point now where he's steady. He doesn't break. Um, not that he won't, not, he won't break ever, but for the most part, he doesn't break. And uh, a lot of people, I guess, would probably consider him a finished gun dog. But I don't still, because I'm still working on stuff with, with Mackinac, too. But that's, that's the update on Hondo, guys. I wanted to give you a just an update on where we are with him. You're going to see him in all the videos as we, as we come up. I did not take dogs to Canada, and I did not take dogs to Montana. Anytime I'm going on a guided hunt or an outfitted hunt, um, I'm a little hesitant to take my dogs. And that's just me. You guys that do, good for you. Um, trying to balance filming and working and handling dogs at the same time is challenging enough. When I take them into a completely different environment like Canada or travel with them up to Montana, um, 
it's too much. Uh, DIY hunt, where if I'm going to run up to Montana and go DIY or freelance or go someplace else, not just Mon- Montana just happens to be the place I was last. But, you know, if I'm going to go to Nebraska or Kansas or Colorado or back east, whatever, I'm going to take my dogs. Absolutely, I'm going to take my dogs. I'm going to have everything set up to travel. I'm going to take them. But on a guided hunt, I didn't feel it was necessary or necessarily what was good for the dog. Um, so I, I didn't take them. Those two hunts, you're not going to see the dogs. From here on out, though, you're going to see Hondo in everything we do. I am going to introduce him to pheasants at some point this year. I don't know if we'll film that. Um, probably be some, some put-and-take birds, you know, some pen-raised birds someplace. Our pheasant numbers here in our area are way, way down. Between the avian, bird, the bird, the avian flu, the bird flu outbreak that we've had, <clears throat> that a lot of people have struggled with across the country, across the continent, and a cold, wet spring for us, our pheasant numbers took a real beating. Um, it's not like that all over, but in our little geographic area where we live here, we don't have hardly any pheasants. And so what that does, if I want to get Hondo on birds, I need to take him to, to a bird farm and put some birds in front of him and get him, get, him found, get him finding, flushing, and fetching. And that's the next step. We're nowhere near done with him in his journey, and I look forward to bringing you more updates and showing you videos. Um, I'm thinking this coming weekend, I'm definitely going to have him out and hunting, and I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we're going to try something. So that is the breakdown. Promised you an update on Canada without getting, because we got videos for all of this stuff, without getting too far off in the weeds, I had the Wonderful opportunity to go hunt with Savage. I'm sorry, to go hunt with my Savage Renegade um, on a hunt, a sponsored hunt with Federal Premium, with Onyx, and with Pheasants Forever. And it was to showcase Federal's new stuff and to celebrate Federal new stuff. Let me be more specific. Federal's new loads that they're dropping. They have a new bismuth load, guys, that is... Uh, you're going to love it. It's a house of fire, specifically designed to hunt upland birds and waterfowl. One shell does it all. And I'm not going to say much more than that, other than that I got to shoot it, put it through the paces, and it was awesome. You guys will see that when Federal drops it, and you're going to be as impressed as I was if you get to shoot it. But this hunt was a combination hunt. We hunted waterfowl, hunted geese in the mornings, and we hunted um, upland birds in the afternoon. The upland birds were a smattering of sharp tail and pheasants primarily. With a, We got in some huns as well, some gray partridge as well. And we were with um, Montana Upland Outfitters. And that's all I'm going to say. Montana Upland Outfitters was is a first-rate operation. If you guys are looking for an upland hunt, particularly sharp tail, you need to check them out. You can find them on social media. You can find, they have a website. Pretty sure they have a YouTube channel too. Those guys are top notch. We stayed in a, we were glamping. We stayed in a wall tent camp. Um, walked in, you know, and my wall tent set up is for elk season or big game. Pretty Spartan. And I walked in there, there's a carpeted floor, real beds, wood stoves going, propane heaters going, constant heat, had a sink, tables, it was top tier. And then the food, um, the, usually when you get to hunting camps, you're looking like you have a camp cook. We had a camp chef, and this dude had a Michelin star. The food was top tier. He took our birds that we, took, that we killed and made them into dishes for appetizers and different things that were incredible. And I am going to have um, the guys from Montana Upland Outfitters on podcasts in the coming weeks talking about what they do to get more information there and I'm also going to have conversations with some of the folks that I got to share camp with um, that includes representatives from Onyx that includes representative from um, Pheasants Forever and of course Federal Premium I'm going to have all these guys on the podcast so we can talk about all the stuff that they do 
and I'm really excited. I had in mind that I would record podcasts while I was on the hunt, and the way the hunt schedule worked out, there was no time to sit down and record podcasts. But in today's world, I can get them on a Zoom call, and we'll get them fired up, and we can talk to Brian Kelvington with Federal about their products. We can talk to Ben from Onyx about what they do. It's another great partner of ours that I absolutely love having on the on the docket as a partner. I, I love doing Onyx tips. I love using their product. And when you get to go connect with, with some of these people, you get to realize that they're great, they're great folks and they're hunters just like you. So wait for that one. And then I will have um, Jared Wickland from Pheasants Forever. He's their PR director and he will be on with me as well. So those are some of the some of the highlights that are coming up. And guys, I appreciate you listening, tuning in and listening and watching this one. I felt like I, with Christmas right around the corner, I really wanted to dive into some of the gear that we use, why we use it and what, it, what we like about it. And so it will, hopefully that will direct some of your Christmas shopping, some of your Christmas ideas. And also as you're buying gear for yourself, it'll give you some, some ideas and some feedback. Again, I love all the companies we work with. Thank you to Federal Premium, Savage, Sitka, Black Rifle Coffee Company, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx. These are all awesome partners. Thank you for letting us do what we do. Guys, until next time, I'm going to let you go. You can tell my voice is getting a little hoarse. Um, I'm going to go hunt this afternoon and hopefully lay down some content for you shortly. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. And while I got you, drop down and leave us a review. Um, go back maybe if you're a fan of the podcast. If you're finding it for the first time, thank you for listening. But let us know. Give us a review. Those reviews really drive um, traffic. And they let us, they let me bring you more and more content. The more, the more reviews that I have, um, the more my, my podcasts tend to get served and so that's really helpful for us. So leave us a review in those reviews. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what else you'd like to see. Maybe suggest future guests or future content. We'll take a look at that and we will do our best to record what you want to hear. So thank you again for tuning in. Merry Christmas to all of you. And I hope you have a great week. For you guys that are still getting after it out there, good luck. Until next time, we'll see you in the field.